What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Mintz. And I'm Jordan Schusterman. And we are the hosts of Baseball Barbacast. And we are so excited to be back recording a podcast together Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for the 2024 Major League Baseball season. I am so excited for this year, Jake. Yeah, we are here with Yahoo Sports. Our time off of podcasting has weighed on me heavy. I've been delivering baseball takes to inanimate objects. So I'm rearing to get back to talking ball with my buddy. So join us on Baseball Barbercast. We're going to have a good time. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so... <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting-greedy podcast here. I've seen you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get on. It's Friday, December 16th, and that means it is fantasy football playoff season. Don't pretend. Don't act like anything else in your life matters this weekend. It does not. You can't even use the holidays as an excuse. There's none of those. Not yet. We both know that you're going to be glued to your phone and to your TV and to your laptop, maybe, if you're old school, to see if you can indeed win this weekend and move to the next round of the Fantasy Football Championship. I know that that is all that matters in the people's lives out there. We're going to help you. Hopefully, we're going to help you get through some of these Week 15 games, make some good decisions. Joining me to do that is Scott Pienowski and Andy Barron. Scott, it's a big week, man. How are we feeling? Feeling good. Um yeah, one thing about this week that's different, I think next week is like this too. Be mindful that the schedule, the cadence of the schedule is different. We get the three Saturday games. So you're going to be like when Sunday morning rolls around, a lot of your fantasy matchup may already be in the bank and it may influence some of your decisions. It's just a different shape of the week this week. Be mindful of that. Yeah, 100%. That's really good advice to, to sort of check back in. And Andy, I think. It's good to remind the people, too, that there's Saturday games. So, um, you know, as I always say, don't go out on Friday night and get too hammered uh, and, <laughs> and, and and be hungover, making decisions on Saturday. OK, you know, you got to be this is serious business, Andy. And I'm here to remind the people. I know you, you know, as a straight laced guy, you're here to remind the people to be serious as well. It is it is not the hungover decisions that are the problem for me personally. It's the decisions that I decide to make Friday night at the bar when I go when I get a little bold, right? Like well, that's, or God that's God forbid, God forbid the the you know Saturday night you you're out a little bit maybe. I mean you're a professional, you work on Sunday morning, but for the folks out there, you're out on Saturday and you know that Bills and, and Dolphins game comes on and you're like, you know what, this is Gabe Davis's week, and, and you know you get a little too <laughs> hammered there. You make bad decisions. Yep. Yep. That. Oh, wow. That feels like Andy doesn't make bad. Andy doesn't make bad decisions, but he loves bold predictions. Andy would love it if our everything we did at Yahoo was bold predictions. One thing about <laughs> one thing about Andy Barron's you have to know, dear listener, is that when Yahoo people can convene and we socialize, and we may have a drink or two. The most obnoxious thing about Barron's, who's just a nice guy and great conversationalist, is that he'll be up at like six thirty or seven in the morning and go for oh. a run. 
I don't it's understand just, it's that despicable. at all. It's despicable. And you know, I'm a, I'm a health conscious guy too, but uh, I, I let it let it rip. You know, I'm not getting up and, and getting my getting my pump in at 7 a.m. like this <laughs> lunatic after 10 beers the night before. I, I'm He's go a cyborg. I, I'm still not convinced that that Andy Barons was born on this earth. I think he may have been imported from a different planet. This, and by the way, like, is this is not true. Harmon does like hit workouts in the room at like 530 a.m. when we're business travel. Uh, all kinds of complaints throughout the hotel. It's an issue. <laughs> it's certainly an issue. Well, hey, Again, we have Saturday games. We got no buys this week. It's time to get serious. It's time to get into the show here. First game up. We're going to start with the uh, most interesting game on the Saturday slate. Dolphins at Bills. Um, and man, this one is tough, guys. Uh, Andy, I'll start with you. You know, your question on the, uh, as we always do. I should say this before we get into the games. What a terrible podcast host. What we do here for the previews, in case like you're a new <laughs> listener or whatever. Um, you, you're a big Rebar uh, fanboy, and you got brought in because he was a guest on the show this week. Um, and what we do here on the preview show, we go game by game. One guy gives me a point. Another guy gives me a point. We end up talking about the whole damn game anyway. So here we go. Dolphins at Bills. Andy, your point that people need to know about this game has the Miami offense been solved yeah uh first of all I, I myself am a big uh, rebar fanboy so welcome to the rest of them um yeah and, and you and I got into this a little bit on the on the um pickups podcast in talking about the Sunday night game like this is two weeks in a row in which defenses you know and the first defense was just really good right the first one was the Niners fine the Niners are going to get you sometimes um, but then to see the Chargers, you, you know, do some of the things that worked so well uh, the previous week and and really master them, right? This idea of just flooding the middle of the field, flooding sort of that that intermediate middle where um, two has just been making a living all year and forcing him to do things that he's obviously uncomfortable doing, you know, and, and how to... Uh, how will the Dolphins, how will Mike McDaniel, how will Tua himself get them, get them into, into better situations, be able to, to sort of leverage the, the, you know, what, what they've built, they've, they've built this offense around what Tua can do really well. And, um, teams are figuring out ways to take that away. Doesn't mean that Tyree kill goes away. It doesn't mean that right. Jalen Waddle goes away, but, um, you know, they're forcing some throws that are clearly not, uh, what, what two is looking to do. I think, I think Mike McDaniel's like about as smart a head coach as we've got in the league right now. I think, I hope that's the case. Cause I find him really amusing. I find him really entertaining. Um, but this is, you know, this is the first big, uh, it is just absolutely necessary that they, that they adjust to what has clearly been figured out about about that offense and um they got to do it on a short week against buffalo like really tough assignment this week and uh we've got some potential weather conditions i don't think it's too right. worrisome by the way i'm taking a lot of questions on this but i as i understand it, it seems like if there's going to be snow a lot of it's going to be like early in the day um the winds don't seem that bad so there's no like there's no weather situation here just yet that has me like re-ranking players um, but it is, you, you know, you throw all these things in the mix and it is a really tough situation for Tua. There's no way I would start Tua this week. I'll, I'll say that. Like, yeah. Total is only 44. I don't think Tua is an automatic play. You have to play Tyree Kill. You would have to have a super loaded team to not be playing Jalen Waddell. The Miami yep. running game is not reliable. Also, when we go through these weekly hooks, and when Andy has all the better ones, it's because he does the Tracy flick and like fills the thing out the moment the script comes out. So <laughs> oh, I, I get all the yeah. leftover stuff. Um, he's like a Tracy <laughs> flick that everybody likes. Um, not as cute as Tracy flick, but um, th what I wrote down is why does Buffalo have just two playable guys? How does Buffalo get to this deep in the season? Josh Allen's great. Stephon Diggs is great. 
Gabe Davis goes down as a loss. I've been a Singletary guy. It's not a very fulfilling life. You're hoping for 69 yards and maybe three catches and like a touchdown once every three weeks. Isaiah McKenzie has like a game every five weeks or so. Dawson Knox is one of several tight ends who just make our life miserable. And yet you, you would have thought if you looked at this game ahead of schedule um, a month ago or something like that, oh, Dolphins Bills, there's a nice, you know, total like 51 and a half. It's 44 and it's a Sunday, a Saturday night game and, and the weather could be a factor. Oh, the wind is really what you want with weather. That's that's what moves the moves the needle. If it snows, yeah. so what? If it rains, so what? As long as it's not torrential or anything like that or a whiteout, you can live with that. My biggest takeaway, though, is I, I think you two is somebody I could proactively bench. I mean, I'm not going to bench for Andy Dalton, but there's a lot of guys I could play over to. Uh, and I'm I don't trust um, I don't trust right now really anybody but Hill in that offense, that Miami offense. And, and Buffalo is frustrating me. I I guess the Gabe, Gabe Davis just teased us. He had that four touchdown game, and his ADP kept rising, and we had to have all these Gabe Davis discussions. And he's had a couple of really good fantasy games. He had one wide receiver, one game, but he's more likely to be outside the top forty, I think, than he is inside the top twenty. Gabe, Gabe Davis also had like he had he had huge games like early in the season too, and so then you were just starting him for like eight weeks, you know, chasing yeah. a result that came early and that that didn't really come again. Sub forty yards in seven to twelve games, um, and the Bills are now going back to old friends. Like they yeah. re-signed John Brown, they've re-signed Cole Beasley, like these guys that used to be good for them before. And like I, I totally get it. Don't pick up Cole Beasley if you picked him up. Just drop him. I, no ad needed. Cole Beasley yeah. is not the answer. You would need a show me game anyway. Yeah, I mean, he, that's a cry for help. Cole Beasley was a cry for help, Buffalo. <laughs> you definitely, you definitely would need a show me game. That's for sure. But we'll see. I mean, they they really could use like a reliable slot receiver. And yeah, the Davis stuff. It's like I still come back to like every now and again you'll get some pushback. Like no special player. Like for the four touchdown game. Like you can't just be a jag and do, like have that four touchdown game. Like go go back and watch the game okay like Chiefs defenders are falling over in the secondary in single coverage and he's and he's scoring at least a couple of those touchdowns so I don't know anyways but I like it's kind of old history at this point but I think the Bills have really hammered it home by the fact that they're bringing back these old friends and it really I get both of your guys's hesitation with the Tua thing because the specter of this offense potentially being solved or at least as I've said all week like them requiring now a counterpunch uh, to what teams like the, Char- especially the Chargers, because man, you're, Andy, you're so right that they're just not going to give them the middle of the field. And Tua still still tried to t- take the middle of the field, still tried to force yeah. those throws. Um, you know, it, he, like I, I thought he of, was lucky not to come away from that game with like a big 100%. pile of interceptions, right? Because um, he threw it like into a crowd of, I don't know, four Chargers uh, a, a fair number of times, which is almost even more frightening than if he had tried some of those like r- routes that are going across to the far hash or whatever. And he couldn't make the throws. The fact that he was just like, I'm not even going to really attempt that because this is what I'm wired to do is almost a, a little more concerning. And, but th- again, that specter is one thing, but this is already a tough spot against a defense that's well coached. that can certainly put a good game plan together. You know, it's a non-friendly environment going into Buffalo late in the season. The weather concerns is just like, bomb, bop, 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 bop. There's a lot of things piled up uh, there that are pretty uh, far against to us. So I think that's going to be one of the big talking points. I'm glad we started that game. And I think all three of us are in consensus that, yeah, I, I, Scott's a great, great way to say it. Like, you don't need to be benching Tua for Andy Dalton or something, but if I had, like, a viable alternative that I felt pretty good about, I'd be I'd be playing them over Tua this week. Next game up here, 
Eagles at Bears. Uh, Scott, I think you've got the the one good point here about Dallas Goddard. You know, I'm, I've definitely fielded questions about Goddard. Like, what are the expectations as it sounds like he's on track to play this week? Yeah, shout out to Lord Podcast. I think he grossly overrated the juice of this fantasy game. The Eagles are <laughs> such a perfect fantasy team. Yeah, Everybody's great. Everybody scores every week. And um, But I don't know what Goddard does. I need Dallas Goddard. It's been a gross tight end year. He's probably going to play, but I don't know. What if the game gets out of hand and they just don't yeah. want to overextend him? The problem is if, if you had Dallas Goddard, you have probably replaced him with somebody who's not that good anyway. So I'm, I'm playing him knowing that I could get three points, and it's not satisfying. But at least everything else on Philadelphia. You know, somehow I picked Philadelphia to go to the Super Bowl this year and felt pretty good about it. And yet I'm underweight on almost every piece of this offense except Goddard. <laughs> so I, you know, if I like them so much, why isn't Jalen Hurts, who was very affordable, or Miles Sanders, who was very affordable? I mean, you know, Brown, you had to pay up for. I get it, but I feel like I should have had a lot of Eagles. I just said no. I, I see team success. I was overweight on Gardner Minshew. That did not work out. But <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna play Goddard because tight end is gross. But I know he has no floor whatsoever. And what if you had someone like a what if you had someone like a Greg Dulcich, right? Like, uh, it, it, would you play someone like that over Dallas Goddard with the with some of the concerns you have there? I would think all week about that. That would be a decision I wouldn't make until Sunday. That's how close yeah. that is to me. I do like Dulcich, and the, the the question is, well, what Russell Wilson may not play, and then you say, well, is that good or Who bad? Cares? Is that a bad thing for <laughs> Greg Dulcich? I don't know that it is. Yeah, me neither. Andy, go ahead. Sorry, I, I interrupted you there. Oh, no, I was just going to say uh, with uh, you, you can't feel that bad about not having more Miles Sanders because he, he directly told us not to draft him. Right. Oh, like, yeah. that's going to go down as the single worst piece of fantasy advice that anybody I don't inside or outside the industry. gave. I, I, other than Austin Eckler, I don't listen to whatever any fantasy, <laughs> any NFL player says about his own status. I just I tune that stuff out. I mean, he had, but I, you're right, Andy. That is a he is a 100 percent um, miss rate in uh, in fantasy advice. Like you know, <laughs> he really does. At least at least for us, like you know, we're we're struggling to maybe get 50 percent, but we're never going at zero percent in terms of things we got wrong. He gave one piece of advice, and it was dead ass wrong. So tough scene there for Miles Sanders. But Andy, um, what? How do we feel about Justin Fields in, in this matchup? Uh, you know, Eagles. It's not, it doesn't look great on paper. We know the design runs were brought down for Justin Fields, but perhaps he's feeling better off the bye. There's a lot to consider here. Yeah, um, this is the first week, you know, since the Bears have really uh, started to do some some fun stuff with Justin Fields and, and leaned into what his obvious uh, uh, best traits are. This is the first week that I, I have some real reservations and it's not it, it doesn't seem to be showing up in the in the fantasy rankings for many people. Right. I maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm alone and worrying about this game, but like. Just going through what the Eagles have allowed this year, and so far the single game high in passing yardage against uh, the Eagles defense is just 250 yards, and the most rushing yards that any quarterback has against them is is 42. Kyler Murray got them both. Um, that's not, you know, like if we're expecting a top five, top eight week from Justin Field, that's not a top eight week, right? Like those right. are... That's not the that's that's not the sort of rushing total that we need. I mean, Fields is averaging seventy five rushing yards per week, and the Eagles have really figured some things out uh, on, on the ground uh, defensively over the over the last few games. So, I just I just don't know. I'm like, if you've got Fields, you're you're playing him. Um, it's not a you know outside of the top of the ranks at quarterback guys like Burrow and Herbert, and Mahomes, uh, Allen. Like, it's not. I don't know. It's a big grab bag after that. So. 
I'm sure you're playing fields and you're eyeing like that Detroit matchup in week 17 and there's some good spots here, but this is not one of them. You you might have to get through this week, not because of Justin Fields, but in, in spite of whatever you get from Justin Fields. It, it is shocking. Is shocking with Philadelphia only having one loss that nobody's thrown for more than 250 against them. You would have thought just yeah. a, some garbage time hero would have sh- popped up. I realize they've had a very easy schedule. Because uh, I don't, you know, I know the a- NFC East has won a lot of games. They've been really good in interconference games, in part because they're playing the AFC South, which is not a good division. But uh, that's a shocking stat, a great grab by by Andy. I didn't know that it was quite that dire for their opponents. The big thing with Fields for me, and you kind of touched on it, is I just don't know how proactive they're going to be as a runner with him. He always has the ability to make a play out of structure. He had the long touchdown run against the Packers the last time we saw him. He's such a special athlete, such a special runner. But he's just getting no help downfield. Mooney's out for the year. They have Claypool doesn't know the playbook, and Komet maybe is just a guy. Um, I I can't play Fields proactively. I I know some people again. You may not have a choice. You may have to play him. I would play Trevor Lawrence over Fields if that was a choice that you had. I might play Mike White over Fields. I'm just worried this might be a game where he only has five rushing attempts. The other the other weird thing, or the other thing you always have to be worried about with the Bears is that they can get down big and they're still running, right? Like there's no there's no guarantee here that we're going to get like, you know, a, a normal normal team, normal quarterback, you'd say, "Oh, well we'll probably get 40 pass attempts." We're not getting 40 pass attempts out of Justin Fields. He hasn't come close to that, right? Like 30 is a huge total for this offense. Um and he's not guaranteed to get there. I mean, you know, you can go back to the Packer game early in the season, not even competitive. And the Bears just kept running. Um, so, and they could do that, and it might end up being good for Fields. Um, but uh, there's just, there's no, you know, there, there, there's no parachute at the end of this where like Fields just throws 45 times and puts up some, some, you know, late game meaningless stats. Two things here. One, it is hilarious that the there were like four or five weeks into the Chase Claypool thing, and it's already like, well, this looks like a terrible idea. Oh, who could have seen that? Who could have seen that one coming? Hard to hard to say, Andy. Who could have seen that one coming? Yeah. But um, secondly, this is a theme through the first two games here, and I think we're gonna keep talking about it. This is not like a fun quarterback week, right? Because, and it's just, I think it's gonna be another painful reminder that like if you didn't take. Jalen Hurts, if you didn't take Josh Allen, not that Allen's in like a great spot or anything, you didn't take Mahomes, you didn't, you know, these guys, like you didn't pay up for them, even Burrow now at this point, like it's those, te- I could see all those teams like making it through to the next round and anyone who's trying to, who's been getting by with fields, getting by with Tua, right? Like that's tough because there's not like even Jared Goff, who's been great. We're going to talk about how he's in a tough spot later. So there's not a bunch of like great streaming quarterbacks you can just pluck up this week, but we'll try our best, right? Um, and maybe normally. Normally, quarterback is the easiest position to solve. This year, it's been very difficult. That, to me, is the overarching theme of this fantasy season is that I've said for years, our quarterbacks are like, you know, it's like trying to get a, a subway in New York. You know, you miss a train, there'll be another one in five minutes. It's not the case this no. year. It's more like trying to get a subway when there's a lousy transit. It's like, oh, you missed your bus? Like, there's there's one in two hours. There's <laughs> one tomorrow. You know, it's, if you didn't catch on the Geno Smith, or maybe, you know, maybe you've had a moment with Mike White, and he's no guarantee. I mean, he could pumpkin at any time. Uh, there, there haven't been a lot of right answers, and so many veterans have gotten hurt or played poorly or a combination of both. And then we've had recent injuries. And as you said, you're teasing the next game. You know, we have a journeyman starter, and and we have a new rookie playing, and we're, we're hoping he's better than the incumbent. And that's been the story this year. Usually, 
not only do we solve quarterback easily, but the quarterback is the connective tissue to the offense. When the quarterback is good, the offense is good. This year, the quarterbacks have been bad, and a lot of offenses have been bad too. Yep, and uh, that is a beautiful transition to Falcons at Saints. Uh, a bunch of guys that we were just really disappointed with here in both offenses, outside of Chris Olave, who's been pretty awesome the entire way. But it starts with a couple of quarterbacks here. And Look, uh, I don't know that I'm sitting here saying, hey, these are two quarterbacks widely available. You can go ahead and play either of these two goofballs ahead of uh, – <laughs> Desmond Ritter might not be a goofball. I don't want to put that on him just yet, Andy. But how do we feel about the change uh, to Desmond Ritter, and does it add? Does it change anything? Anything about the Falcons' offense? Yeah, I, I think it's the most exciting open question in this game. I don't, I don't have high hopes for Desmond Ritter as like a first-year fantasy asset of any kind, just because you know we, we can look at what this offense has been and and what they are clearly inclined to be. Um, they have averaged just twenty-three point one pass attempts per game. Uh, which is outrageously low, obviously, and they're and they're running the ball thirty two point two times per game, right? So that's that's just kind of a, I don't know, that's like a nineteen seventy seven run pass mix. That is Crazy. not something that we're accustomed to seeing, um, but it is who they are, and they have been in some situations in which they're down big and they keep running the ball. Um, so I just it, it really unimaginable that um, that we would see that change substantially with a a kid making his first start, right? Like I just, I just yeah. seriously doubt that that is going to happen. Um, it is not a great spot against a, against a pretty fair new Orleans defense that I think has held its last two opponents to just like 30 total points. So not, a, not a great way to debut. Um, all we can really hope is that Ritter keeps feeding Drake London, who just came off a game in which he saw, you know, single game highs in targets. He had 12 targets and 95 receiving yards. So that was really good to see. That's, it's more what Drake London was at the college level, right? Where he's just the absolute target monster, um, taking everything that's available. And he needs to get something like a, you know, 40% target share in this offense if they're going to keep running the ball or if they're going to keep, uh, you know, throwing the ball 20 times a game. I, I will also say with Ritter, he, um, I, I would not expect him to be like the proactive runner that that Marcus Mariota was. Um, he can do it. Definitely a mobile quarterback who I just think what, you know, was looking to make plays as a as a passer first and foremost at the college level. But he can run as needed. What I'm hoping with Ritter is that Mariota was so bad. I think they took nine deep shots in the last Mariota game and then one, only one of them was complete that the hope is that you just squint and say, well, at least if Ritter is better than Mariota, is that just not a big hurdle to clear? I wish Ritter, I just, I want to put an L in his name so badly. I want to call him Riddler. <laughs> he also, I also feel like he was at Cincinnati for 17 years, but um, I guess it was just four. Yeah. Can he be worse than Marcus Mariota? That's my dare. Uh, talking, my point was on the Saints and Mike Salfino on the Breakfast Table podcast pointed out, this shocked me, that Andy Dalton's indexed metrics, uh, you know, how you fair against the league mean in a, a bunch of different stats. He's above league average in so many different things. And I had no idea. I just thought Andy Dalton was being the mediocre, you know, kind of limited quarterback that he always is. He actually looks good in some stats. Now, it doesn't really help for fantasy when he's not putting up big fantasy numbers. And other than Olave, there's nothing in this passing game. I know Shahid's made some plays recently. Jawan Johnson, when healthy, has been a quasi-playable tight end. But the big question is Alvin Kamara, right? I mean, he has a one game against the Raiders, has three touchdowns. He's got no touchdowns against the rest of the NFL. 
Ingram's hurt. I didn't even realize David Johnson was on their practice squad. He's been promoted. He's probably going to play. But this and I haven't been a Camaro guy all year, but this sure seems like a game where he has 15 to 20 touches in his back pocket before they even start. Only a 43 and a half total in this game. So we're not looking at a bunch of scoring. But I've been forced to rank Camara much more optimistically than I want to. Andy meant, and mentioned 1977 football. I almost wish that was the game we we're seeing because that would be Archie Manning and Steve Kabarkowski. <laughs> and, you know, I, that same team that had a really good defense, they had they would blitz like nine guys at a time, right? Uh, Jerry Glanville, I think, was their defensive coordinator. Uh, I'm not optimistic for this game, but Alvin Kamara managers, if you have made the playoffs, it's been in spite of Alvin Kamara. I think this is a week he actually may justify your love. Yeah, it's a good call. Both these teams are are very old school, very conservative. Um, and and you know, like New Orleans fans and and some members of the media are still like banging down Dennis Allen's door to to start Jameis Winston again. And he has been, I mean, he makes Arthur Smith look like a a, a flexible guy with how uh, just pretty much he has been. No, I'm not. I'm not putting old Jameis Winston back yeah. out there again. They want to roll Andy Dalton, and I think it's because they do play a very conservative brand of football, which obviously so did the Falcons. So this this is a game that might be over in like two and a half hours. This podcast might be longer. <laughs> Uh, than this than this football game, <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. All right, next game up. Talk about a barn burner. Chiefs are fourteen point favorites in Houston. Um, you both have Texans notes uh, on the outline, which seems rather psychotic uh, at face value. But at the same time, we we kind of know what the deal with the Chiefs are. Like you're gonna yeah. you know play the you could play both these running backs. I think this week, and it's like it's Juju, it's Kelsey, and it's Mahomes. And as much as we talk about. Who's the wide receiver that's going to emerge for the Chiefs? It's pretty much just Juju and 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 like kind of that's it at this point. So let's break down the Texans here, boys. Um, I'm ignoring what Andy has in the outline. I'm going to go to Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, Chris Moore, monster, monster game. That should that should have been Nico Collins last week against the Cowboys. Right. Yeah, it was a monster game, and you know I've been, I've been trying to figure out which more I want. Do I want DJ Moore? Do I want? Uh, Elijah Moore, do I want Chris Moore? Maybe more Sky in Moore. Houston. <laughs> oh, God. Maybe what about Sky Moore? No, it's not Sky Moore. I want it to be more. Chris Moore, man, he's going to get targets. And this Kansas City secondary is weak. I mean, they made Denver look like the greatest show on turf last week. And I think Chris Moore has eight targets in his back pocket. Maybe he'll get 10 or more against a defense that isn't that great. A team that's going to score on the other side. So there'll be some pushback. The total is 49 and a half. And that's not all Chiefs points. I mean, it's assuming that the Texans will do something on offense. And they've been competitive. They should have beaten Cleveland two weeks ago. They obviously gave Dallas everything they could handle before giving the game back at the end. Now, look, I, I write a sleeper piece every week, and I put up a bunch of disclaimers when I posted it on Thursday that like, it's the playoffs. This is not bi-week navigation. You know, Chris Moore would be really fun player in the weeks where three, four, five teams, you know, a bunch of your guys are off and you need to really dig deep. I hope your playoff teams don't need Chris Moore. But that said, again, I see eight targets in his back pocket already. He looked pretty good last week. So I, I don't mind playing him against the Kansas City secondary I don't respect. All right, Andy, you, you sicko. Um, let's talk about your point here. I, I did I – did, uh, because, you know, why not? I, I took a little dive into the Yahoo Fantasy mentions uh, this morning just uh, just before the podcast to get prepped. Good, yeah, good times. times. Just, just so ever, just, you know, to to see who who could be the most aggressive in telling us we were committing a crime against humanity by having. Why didn't you just try way, to escape? Why didn't you just try to escape from Shawshank Prison? That would be much more. Uh, you know, <laughs> hey, that's a, hey, Scott, seen that one, seen that movie. Uh, so get that reference there. Love, love it. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, you know, I dove into the mentions because yeah, I just uh, I wanted to see who who could be the most aggressive in telling us we were committing a crime against humanity by having Jeff. Dr- by the way, when I say we, Andy, Scott, myself, even Lord Podcast, anyone attached to this podcast has nothing to do with it. So stay out of our mentions about it. But yes. who who are how much of a crime against humanity are we committing, Andy, by having Jeff Driscoll eligible by uh, as a tight end this week? Yeah, can't underscore that point enough. Um, nobody that you're listening to on this podcast, nobody associated with this podcast can can do anything with position eligibility. It's just it's locked in. Um, Even I'll reason- go one step. I'll go one step further, Andy, and say that not only can we not do anything about it, even if we want to, because there's some occasionally you'll have someone be like, you know, you have pull at Yahoo. You can't you make your voice heard. No. No, we we have no pull. <laughs> the, even if even if Andy wanted to go shake the trees at the highest level, the nothing. No, there ain't no apples yeah. falling from those trees. Okay, so let's just right. leave it at that. Yeah, I the the key thing with Jeff Driscoll is that his eligibility, like whatever you think of it, it's not a. This isn't a mistake. Um, they made him a tight end last year. Uh, that this is an actual thing that an NFL team decided to do. They were like, hey, we got no use for you, a quarterback. Um, let's, let's have you spend the rest of your season in the tight end room. And that is what they called him. And that is what he was. Um, so like, you don't have to like it, but that is why he carries that eligibility into this season. And it would be really unusual for us. Highly unusual. Don't know that we've done it to just like strip eligibility that a player has earned one season and, and take it away the next it's not happening. So we're confronted with Jeff Driscoll quarterback slash tight end he's he's one of two to the best of my knowledge right it's him and Taysom Hill and I actually have them ranked pretty close together at tight end here's the other thing about Driscoll he uh he played 33 snaps last week and he is splitting time with Davis Mills and he's a weird sort of quarterback because he runs all the time right he finished the game with seven carries six pass attempts had the had the long touchdown um it's a really weird arrangement it, it's about as we, we just don't see it in the NFL, right? It's like a thing that bad college teams do when they have no idea when they know that they don't have a, a like a single good quarterback on the roster, right? So now we have an NFL team doing it. But I, like for better or worse, Driscoll is my is my tight end seven on the week. I can imagine him finishing much higher than that. Like I don't know, a couple of t- one touchdown pass, you get some carries in the right area of the field, and all of a sudden it's one of those it's one of those blow up Taysom Hill weeks. I mean, Andy, remember we had Charles McDonald on the show and he was like disgusted that we broke uh-huh. down like Jeff Wilson and uh, and, and, and Jalen Warren. This and, is and so much worse. We, this is way worse. So let's move on to the next game. Lions at Jets. Scott, um, I think this is another huge question this week. Jared Goff has been rolling. The Lions offense has been rolling. But is this not the most predictable uh, fallback spot here uh, against the Jets outdoors in the cold on the road? I hope it's predictable. Um, my darts this year. I always hate mentioning this because I'm afraid. Why when I you should it, mention it? Be... You should mention. No, but I'm just afraid that's going to be the week I, I go 0 and five. But we're 44 23 against the spread with three ties, which is exceptionally good. Um, I've, I've had right, plenty buddy. of winning records since I've been doing this at Yahoo. This is easily our best season and. The Jets jumped out at me as the best game. The Lions are the cuddly little toy, four out of five wins. They almost beat Buffalo. But there aren't that many defenses that you have to say, oh, my God, I'm petrified against this defense. The Jets are one of those teams. The Bills that want no part of this team again. Somehow the Bills won last week. I think they had 234 yards of offense. So you have to play Sun God. He's too good. Maybe even Jamal Williams has too much touchdown equity. You have to play him. 
the, the SAT question, DeAndre Swift, you know, seven, eight, nine touches every week until the one week I said he'll never have 18. He had 18 touches. Then he was back to, I think, nine or 10 last week. You can't play Swift. I know Jameson Williams had that touchdown. That was fun. You can't play him. And I don't think you can play Jared Goff. At a year where there's been not a lot of quarterback answers, and he's been good. The line's been good. He's not allowing sacks. I made a mistake and actually went down a rabbit hole of Detroit Lions offensive line Twitter. And then it's all about, oh, which stats mean something and what tape bros really know what they're talking about and what is – what does survivor bias mean? It was really ugly and, and messy. It was. I really enjoyed it for about five or ten minutes, and then I really hated it for like another twenty minutes. And then I finally said, "I got to go on with the rest of my life." Here's the bottom line: tomorrow's headlines today: Jets twenty three, Lions ten, and mm. please play Zonovan Knight. Yeah, I love it. Uh, look, I mean, the, the Jared Goff discourse has been uh, it's been pretty pretty wild to watch. Um, and and again, it just I feel like he's such a He's just such an easy to understand player. Uh, if you really have paid attention to the course of his career, that this does look like a spot where he would certainly struggle. Um, Andy, uh, Scott just mentioned Zonovan Knight. You know, the Lions run defense is really, really turned around of late. But does that stop us from playing a guy like Zonovan Knight, who's been really, really good for this team and for fantasy? Yeah, no, it it certainly does not. And that first son of a night game, uh, the the Bears game, you know, I, I just thought it was a really entertaining story. Um, not not somebody that I expected a lot from moving forward, had a lot of plays where he was just looking for somebody to plow through. Right. Um, not didn't strike me as being particularly elusive. Um, and that was in a, a super friendly matchup. And now we're, you know, we're like we're three games into the son of a night era right and uh he has 19 missed tackles over over the last three weeks that is behind only josh jacobs and only barely behind him and he had nine last week against buffalo which is uh almost inarguably the the best defense that he's faced so far and now you look at the rest of his season he's got detroit he's got jacksonville he's got seattle uh, that's a, that's a great stretch. It's hard to imagine that the run is going to be out of, out of play in, in any of those games. So I feel like this team, whether it's, whether it's Knight or whether it's Garrett Wilson is going to be the one that, that feeds us, you know, I, I, I never like saying stuff like this year's Amon Ross St. Brown or this year's whoever, right? Like there doesn't have to be a this year's anybody, but man, um, there's a pretty good chance that this is the roster that provides us with that player that you picked up midseason, who then just goes nuts in the in the so strongly playoffs. strongly co-sign that. And I also want to just underscore, although Matt made a great point that Detroit's run defense has turned around and what what Cook go fifteen for twenty three last week. They tackled yeah. into, into a pretzel, but they have a great. I think we all have respect for football outsiders and the metric work they do over there. And they have a great feature that you can do DVOA in segments. And my, I was wondering, well, since Detroit's by or their six week stretch where they played well, how much better as has, has their run defense gotten and their run defense DVOA over the last six weeks, this surprised me. It's only 14th, which is improved. Yes. Is it a reason to not start somebody against them? Absolutely yeah. not. And That's let's right. also remember son of a night. He's got a nickname. He's Bam Knight. And when you watch him run, you see that. I mean, Andy mentioned <laughs> those 19 missed tackles. I mean, Zunovan Knight, he's this may be a, something that bothers you long term because I think sometimes you should just maybe cash in on a run. But he's like, okay, what other defender can I make contact yeah. with? I'm going to run into him. Yeah. And it's fun to watch. And it's he a lot of three yard runs become eight yard runs. I just think sometimes maybe it's best to 
you know, call a play over and, and, and not take that extra shot. But I believe in him. And we've seen Mike White has made this offense playable. I and mean, Mike White's not maybe a savior, but he's better than Zach Wilson right now. And that's all we need. Garrett Wilson's probably going to be offensive player of the year. And Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Moore is back in play too. So um, yeah. I like the Jets big in this game. And, and as Andy said, there doesn't have to be a this year's anything. But if I had to guess on somebody, I think he's under the night has a great chance of being that guy. 100%. Yeah, I really like Elijah Moore in this matchup uh, with Corey Davis and concussion protocol. Just the, the guys that D- Detroit has shut down lately. Huge names, right? Dalvin Cook, 15 for 23. Travis Etienne, 13 for 54. Uh, Saquon Barkley, 15 for 22. But, you know, Devin Singletary, the great Devin Singletary, had 72 yards on 14 carries on Thanksgiving. And I think that was like the closest, most competitive game. Uh, the other ones, like the Lions were actually able to build some big leads there. So the, these backs, like these great backs, admittedly got a little scripted out. As we've just said, we don't expect that to happen to the Jets there. So that is uh, good for Bam Knight. Next game up here, Cowboys at Jaguars. Uh, Andy, we just mentioned Travis Etienne. Is this a get-right spot for him? Yeah, I, I've seen a ton of questions in the in the Twitter feed on Travis Etienne, too, because he's obviously been a huge disappointment these last couple games since coming back from the injury. Um, he's got a vulnerable Dallas run defense here, right? Um, they've given up about four and a half yards per carry on the season, almost 130 rushing yards per week. Uh, ETN did carry 17 times last week. So, so the workload is back. Um, it was just a brutal spot against Tennessee finishes with only 32 yards. Tennessee has been, uh, a, a notably lopsided defense this year, right? They've been great against the run. They've given up whatever you need against the pass. Um, that, my my biggest concern with ETN, uh, and I, you know, Scott put this in his notes as well, is that he's just he's just not the receiving threat that we were sort of promised. Um, he has not seen uh, he hasn't seen more than three targets, three in any game since October. Uh, it, it seemed like just coming out of the gates, like week one, uh, he it felt like he was getting peppered, um, but it just hasn't it it just hasn't kept up. Like you know the the, the high water mark, uh, if you go back to October, is like five targets. So there's just no you know if you, if you thought this was like a discount version of like Austin Eckler, no, there's just there's not a lot of receiving work here. And if this game gets out of hand, which is certainly possible, um, if Dallas plays to its potential, which is not really a very Dallas thing to do, but let's just say they do, uh, then the run gets out of hand and they're not throwing to ETN, which is both perplexing and, uh, and a huge problem if you're rolling with him here. I've, I've ranked him, I don't know, not super aggressively, but in the solidly in the teens um, where I'm telling you, I think it's a good idea to play him. I think he's a, a bankable RB2. It should be a get right spot. Um, again, uh, running against Dallas is has been something that almost everybody's been able to do. Uh, and, and I, you know, I think this is still fundamentally the same player that you, that you were really falling for six weeks ago. Right. Um, I think he's just had a couple of, a couple of bad spots. Scott, get right game for ETN. What do you think? I'm concerned. Um, I believe, I actually believe in the Jacksonville passing game a lot more than ETN. I, I think it's deep enough into ETN's Jacksonville run that the fact that they're not using him as a receiver, we have to take that at face value. Now, Lawrence is somebody I, – I just fell in love with how he played last week against Tennessee. I know Tennessee is a funnel defense. Pass defense is bad. But he had that comeback win against Baltimore a few weeks back too. He's becoming the player that we thought he could be, and they still don't really have an alpha yet. We'll see what they get next year when Calvin Ridley can come back. Uh, ET, I don't trust ETN as much as maybe some other people do. As, as far as Dallas, we can make up some time here. They're like the easiest fantasy team in yeah, the world, yeah. right? I mean, they have only two backs. They both get a lot of work. Uh, CD Lamb is great. Schultz has become playable again. Dak is good, not great. 
and you know occasionally you know, one of their secondary players touches the ball but for the most part they butter their bread you know the same places every week so i think this is this game total is 48 i think it's going to go over there but i think jacksonville side of it will be more passing than running yeah i agree with you and and like some of the concerns that people that like really watch the tape or whatever uh, on running backs had about Travis Etienne as a receiver do maybe that's, maybe that's a big part of this, why they don't trust him. And I agree, Scott, I I'm taking it at face value as well. If you need receiver help, I don't mind Michael Gallup or, you know, real d- desperate Noah Brown, just because the Jaguar secondary has been miserable uh, lately, getting ripped up by deep passes, especially. So I feel like if you're chasing some wide receiver help, you can go to those guys, but large, largely agree, Scott, that they're super tidy next game up. Titans at Chargers. Chargers are three-point favorites. Andy, uh, it's really nice to see this group fully healthy there, uh, the L.A. Chargers. Nobody has dropped back more than Justin Herbert at quarterback this year, and he's not going to lose any pace uh, in this one, right? Because as we talked about with Austin earlier in the week, the Chargers' run game is is bad. He would like it to be better, but he's also kind of resigned to the fact that they're going to run the ball basically by throwing him like three to four-yard passes. I, I feel like I'm more excited about Austin Eckler setting the reception record for a running back than he is, um, which is he seems <laughs> to hate it. I, I think he, he seems to hate, seem to hate it. That. Yeah, yeah. He does seem to like want to be, I don't know, a 12 or 1400 yard like rusher and, and doesn't need uh, 100 receptions. But this is pretty cool. I mean, he's sitting on 93 catches. He is, uh, you know, just just mentioned the the Titans run defense. The Titans run defense is really good. Um, they have also, for what it's worth, they've they've given up like the second most receptions to opposing running backs. They've given up 80 receptions yeah, to running backs. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, some of that is just teams choosing to attack them, uh, you, you know, sort of a- outside the, the tackle box. Um, I, like it's a good spot for Eckler, even though it is a good even though it is a good run defense. Um, the Chargers just as a as a fully operational uh, offensive machine right now that they they finally they have Eckler Eckler is healthy Everett is healthy Allen is healthy Williams Herbert like they're they're all they're all in um, and you know we saw it last week uh, the, this offense is really fun and uh, almost every DFS lineup I've set this week either has like Burrow at the top or it has Herbert at the top I'm I'm just really excited to see the this team close the season. Um, and I'm also, again, I'm excited to see Austin Eckler finish this thing with like 125 catches. We might see 50 passes from Herbert in this game. Yeah. Uh, the funnel defense of the Titans is going to encourage that. And as you said, the Chargers aren't running the ball well anyway, and they've accepted that. The Tennessee offense isn't anywhere near as exciting. It's become a tight end-centric offense. I don't know if Burks will get back in this game, who's obviously their best receiver, starting to spread his wings before that concussion but they have two tight ends who have been producing and again tight end is so gross that when you can get 50 or 60 yards from somebody you want to start hugging strangers and this kid Okonkwo <laughs> looks really good he's a basically a hybrid receiver they're creative with him he's getting a decent snap share I know Austin Hooper is also involved in this offense and it's never going to be a high volume offense with passing but because the receiver room is so thin I mean I think their leading receiver for the season is Robert Woods with like 409 yards or something in that neighborhood Again, they really need Burks back. But Okonkwo is somebody I could play. Even if I was desperate, I could maybe even use Hooper, who is a super low ceiling. But this offense is about the tight ends. I think both of those guys will be involved. And um, I love the call on the Chargers side. Herbert, it's just good to see Herbert have a chance again because he didn't have a chance when so many guys were hurt. I still think they need to draft a receiver. This 100%. is a slow team. They don't have a lot of downfield stretch, you know, stretch the field type of stuff. But a part of that has been injuries. But 
I think this is another game that might be sneaky. 46 and a half. I thought the total was a little bit low on that. I, I think the Chargers will probably need 30 points to win this game. Yep, completely agree. Uh, next game up here, Bengals at Bucks. I'm I'm so over this Bucks team, Scott, but there are still guys <laughs> that we care that we care about in fantasy uh, on this team, even if it has not been what we uh, thought we were getting this year. One of those guys is Rashad White. What's the confidence level on him uh, and with the backfield split there and a matchup that's you know not ideal? Where are we at with Rashad White? He's the most startable player on the roster. I think that the Buccaneers infrastructure has gotten so bad that if Tom Brady wants to play next year, he realizes Tom Brady, at least in his mid-40s, he needs to be supported. He had to leave New England because oh, they didn't have support for him. Yeah. He needs to leave Tampa Bay now because Evans has aged before our eyes and and Godwin's had just an okay season and, and you know the line play. Every time Mike Evans does make a play, you know, they have a holding call and they they draw it, but you know, they're Brutal. the team that leads the league and touchdowns wiped out by holding calls. They're like the rest of the league has three and Tampa Bay has three. I think Robert Mays had that stat. Yep. So uh, Rashad White though is passing Leonard Fournette, who looks forty-five like Tom Brady does. So I, I can actually play White with a level of confidence. I think you're just stuck playing Godwin and Mike Evans. Godwin's actually been okay. The Evans experience, he leads the league in almost touchdowns. That's so frustrating. I don't think Brady's playing that poorly. He just needs a different landing spot. I do think he's going to come back next year. I don't think it will be with Tampa Bay. But uh, you want positive, happy news? I, I can sign off on your Richard White start this week. Yeah, the problem for 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 Brady there and the Bucks, I think it starts all with the offensive line that like we forget that you know Ali Marpet retired. Like they had a lot of losses there, and Gronkowski then they too. suffered. Yep, and Gronkowski obviously, and then they suffered injuries, and then their good players like Donovan Smith, who's supposed to be like a, a high level starter for them, has been terrible this year. He's been the guy that uh, the Robert May stat about all of the holding calls that have like wiped touchdowns off the board. I got to feel like all of those are Mike Evans touchdowns, or at least it feels that way, or at least I hope it is that way. But yeah, I mean, I, it's not really a wide receiver problem. I think it is a, I think it's a pass protection problem. So for wherever Brady goes next year, you know, you get the ball at like 2.3 seconds. Nobody gets the ball at 2.3 seconds unless you're Ben Roethlisberger the last few years. And did you like watching those offenses? No, I don't think you did. <laughs> so, Andy, speaking of which, by the way, that's why Rashad White's going to like has a five catch floor because Brady's getting that ball out so fast. Yeah. But Andy, let's let's talk about the good offense, the one that isn't, uh, you know, making us want to claw our eyeballs out here. Yeah, so I, I know everyone was uh, w- was understandably aggravated with T. Higgins last week. Uh, basically, a no show <laughs> with the the pregame hamstring issue. Um, he, you know, he he practiced like on Wednesday. It'd be pretty unusual for a guy to practice on Wednesday and then not play uh, not play over the weekend. Um, both he and Tyler Boyd like returned to practice. We you know we talked about Tyler Boyd a couple days ago. Didn't didn't seem like he was going to be able to go, but now it does. Um, so yeah, interesting. They've got everybody. Like th- we don't have to worry about this being a like a Trent Taylor. You know, Irwin probably not involved this week. Like they've got their their three main receivers. And then you look at the practice reports for the Bucks. It's it's icky. Um, <laughs> you know, Jamel Dean is in a boot. Uh, no, no Winfield. Like injuries just up and down that defense. So I I know you're accustomed to thinking of of Tampa Bay as a as a defense that we need to be wary of that we we might need to to stay away from, but. I don't think that's the case this week. I think I think it's a great spot for Burrow. I think it's obviously it's always a good time for Jamar Chase when he's healthy. Um, but I think you can fire up every aspect of of the Cincinnati offense, and it's looking pretty good. Yeah, 
Love to see that. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, it's going to get a little messier in terms of the qualities uh, <laughs> of the quality of some of the teams we're talking about here. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right, we're back. I just said that um, the quality of teams is going to go down for the rest of the the games that we preview here. (laughs) However, the Vikings are participating in this game. We know they're like the number two seed in the NFC. They have a great record, whatever. But Andy, talk about gross. I feel like the Vikings are not the team I'm most excited about from a fantasy angle um, this week in this game because like the Vikings defense is so horrible that I'm actually kind of getting myself excited about the Colts here, which is not good. Yeah, yeah. Um, And we generally know what to do with the Vikings fantasy wise. Um, This is a, you know, the Colts are the are the real enigma. Right. Um, And this sort of comes down to whether Matt Ryan is good enough at this stage to simply take advantage of a spectacular matchup, because that is definitely what this is with Minnesota. Um, They give up third most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, the second most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. They're allowing a league worst eight yards per pass attempt. Um, You just saw what Jared Goff did to him. Uh, Like, this is a great spot. Matt Ryan's got to be able to get the ball downfield and he's got to be able to like drive the bus. Um, we, we haven't seen much from Michael Pittman in recent weeks, uh, basically all season, uh, with a handful of exceptions. We've seen that Alec Pierce is a really talented player, but again, they've got to be able to push the ball downfield. This is a team where presumably you can do it. Um, I'd like to think that we can start these guys. Uh, I've got a couple of spots where I have to start Michael Pittman myself, but you know, clearly Matt Ryan is a, is a huge question mark. I am starting uh, Michael Pittman with confidence for sure. And I like, I like Pierce in this matchup just because that Viking secondary, I mean, they give up big plays because they blow coverages. They give up big plays because they have these soft zones back there and they've also had injuries as well. So again, pretty uh, like Scott, like we said, it's kind of um, not really the right time to be like, let me scrounge the bottom of the barrel for wide receiver plays and get excited about these guys. But I'm kind of excited about Alec Pierce in this matchup at least. But um, Scott, on the other side of it, you know, Andy said it's a it's a it's a tight uh, it's a pretty tidy fantasy offense there for the Minnesota Vikings. But how are we feeling about them in this spot? Yeah, I just want to co-sign what you guys said about the Colts, by the way. I just this Vikings defense made Mac Jones look really good. It made yeah. Mike White look really good. It, it will make Matt Ryan look at least passable. I can proactively play those wide receivers for Indianapolis. I want to see Dalvin Cook show something. The Lions run defense has been better, but I thought Cook was very indecisive last week and, and just did not look like somebody who was seeing the holes properly. And I'd like to see him get some of his mojo back. I'm also curious what we do with Hawkinson next year. He's been so good. When players change teams in the middle of the season, usually we expect a learning curve or you you just don't expect the players to hit the ground running. But Hawkinson has, I still don't understand how Kirk Cousins is having the worst starting season of his career with like this Justin Jefferson detonation and (laughs) Hawkinson's been good. And Adam Thielen (laughs) occasionally does something. I realize he's lost a step, but I mean, whatever you would think Minnesota being 10 and three and Jefferson 
pushing towards 2000 yards that Kirk Cousins would be getting dragged, but he's not really getting dragged. So I don't understand that. But uh, to me, the action in this game is the Colts receivers because I'm going to be playing at least one or two of those somewhere. And I think Minnesota will escort them where they need to go. All right. Next game up here, Patriots at Raiders. Uh, I love actually both of your notes here, but Scott, I'm going to start with you. Um, this game is a straight up pick them. Uh, you said on the outline, how can a game with a total this high have such little fantasy juice? Also, how can a game like as Andy points out, there's revenge narratives all over the place. There's so much connected <laughs> tissue between these two teams. How can a game, Scott, how can a game with a total this high have such little fantasy juice and how much like should a, with a game with this much narrative based intrigue have so much going on and I don't care about it at all. Right, yeah, they flexed it out of the Sunday night game. That's how unjuicy yeah. <laughs> it is. Look, Jacob starts himself. Adam starts himself. You you may have to play Derek Carr. It depends on what your quarterback room looks like. If the Patriots don't have Stevenson, their offense is a team of C pluses. They have a bunch of guys who you know whatever they belong on a football team. That they might belong. Be high. Maybe, maybe some C minuses too, right? Jacoby Myers, all right. And Hunter Henry's okay. And he was the C. Pl- he was the C plus. I was like everybody else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We don't trust the their offensive line. We don't trust their play calling. Yeah, Belichick can still beat. You throw Cliff Kingsbury in front of him, he still looks pretty good. But this Patriots team is going nowhere. <laughs> I want to see the Jets in the playoffs. I think they could actually beat somebody. I don't think the Patriots yeah. could. I'm staying away from. If Stevenson doesn't go, I don't think there's a right answer on the New England offense. That's my take. Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, just don't don't bother with it. it like it's Adams, it's it's Jacobs, and don't care about this game. Otherwise, I think next game up here, Ravens at Browns. Andy, we keep ranking Mark Andrews as the tight end too, as you point out, but he hadn't really earned that title uh, in in quite some time. Yeah, and certainly some of this is some of this is injury related, right? Like that guy was that guy was clearly playing through some stuff. So I don't I don't want to say that like a healthy Mark Andrews wouldn't still be the tight end one or the tight end two. Um, but he has hasn't scored and he hasn't topped 63 receiving yards or seen a double digit target week um, since week six. That's a it's a pretty long time ago. Um, we at, like it, across the board, we're ranking him as as either the tight end two or the tight end three. Um, would I start Hawkinson over him? I, I, I think I would like, I, you know, there's a whole bunch of guys who've been, who's been popping lately, who I, I think you can make an argument would be a little bit more interesting than Mark Andrews here. He probably is going to have Tyler Huntley this week and that, you know, yeah, they, they made some magic last year. So that, you know, that's fine. I actually think Huntley is plenty interesting. Um, and now that he, uh, seems like he's going to be good to go. He, uh, he becomes a little bit of a rankings challenge because again, talked about it last week, like that guy averaged about 210 passing yards and like almost 60 rushing yards per week, uh, when he got playing time last year. So I, I think he's pretty interesting here and it's probably good for Andrews. Um, but Andrews has become a huge question mark and that, you know, it seemed for the first like month and a half of the season that Mark Andrews was just flat out going to be one of the right answers in fantasy this year. Yeah. Also, Lamar Jackson was on that list too. If Huntley goes, I want you to bet the Ravens who are currently fetching two and a half points. Cleveland, Watson hasn't played well. You have to kill, still play Chubb. I get it. I was really encouraged by how healthy David Njoku looked last week and how they used him proactively as, again, kind of a hybrid player. So for fantasy, whatever, you, you know you're going to start him. But I'm going to actually look to play Njoku in DFS and maybe even a prop or two. Yeah. 
I think that makes a lot of sense. It's just Cleveland's offense is so kind of lost in the wilderness now for, for a lot of different reasons, obviously, because the quarterback that they bet big on is not playing well. Uh, but that could change at any time. But then I still think there are a lot of other issues with Cleveland that doesn't make me totally excited about um, about anything that's going on there right now. We'll move on to the next game here. Steelers at Panthers, the potential NFC South champion Carolina Panthers, <laughs> Andy Barons, with a run-pass ratio that is just absolutely absurd. Yeah, we're, we're talking about Atlanta earlier as having this sort of 1977 run-pass ratio. Well, Carolina last week uh, ran the ball 46 times. They passed it 24. The week before, ran the ball another <laughs> 46 times, passed it 19 times. Um, they won both of those games. So, like, w- we shouldn't begin to think that that was just an isolated situation. No, that's that's the plan. Um Deontay Foreman is playing a lot. He's getting 20 carries a game and there's still room for another dude to get 17 carries a game because that's what Chuba Hubbard has seen each of the last two weeks. And then they're giving Blackshear carries too, right? Like they are supporting to some extent three running backs right now, which is just not something that we see over any long period of time. Um, But they are an entirely run-based offense. And the flip side of this, of course, is that like if they only plan on passing the ball like 18 to 20 times a game, I, I don't you can't, you can't play DJ Moore like DJ Moore, like limped Hobble away with it with Moore an ankle yeah. ankle injury last week. He's a wonderful player. But again, I think their intention is to throw the ball like in the teens and you just you just can't touch a receiving core under those circumstances. And the game flow is going to allow that, right? Because Pittsburgh's offense isn't going anywhere. This total is 37 and a half. It's going to be a lot like that Pittsburgh-Baltimore rock fight last week, which was a 16-14 game. I could see something similar to that. I just want to point out Deontay Johnson's special season. 113 targets, no touchdowns. And you know, look, it's, it's part of the way they use him. I know the quarterback play has been dreadful when they have nine touchdown passes. But at this point, Deontay, you get to steer into history. You have the record for and targets go back, I think, to 1992 on football reference. You have the record for most targets without a touchdown. You've marked, you pushed Michael Timpson out of the record book, which I'm sure hurt Andy <laughs> Barron's feelings because it was the Chicago Bears. So imagine that Chicago Bears having a passing wow. game that can't get off the ground. But uh, I just hope Deontay can bring this home and, you know, play to history. I, he's a good player. I know he's been a reception perception guy and everything. He still has good separation stats, but. I have a couple of Deontay Johnson teams. He will not be starting for me this week. I have some DJ Moore teams. He will also not be starting for me this week. Uh, yeah, and I I can't imagine I can't imagine starting any uh almost any pass catcher in this game. Period. I mean, Pat Fryermuth didn't practice again on Thursday. Um, Deontay didn't practice again on Thursday. Although we, he's probably going to play. He did the same thing last week, and even Pickens too. Like, yeah, forget it. These teams might want to combine for forty pass attempts in this game. Okay, so yeah, you can go ahead and forget about both. We also teams. we, like, we also might, get, might get Mason Rudolph. I was just. I was, oh my god! I was going to say we're a hundred percent not December? getting Pickett, but. Rudolph, like the red-nosed reindeer? Like, we don't <laughs> need that. Nobody Ugh. wants Mason Rudolph. I mean, it's, it's like, please give me Mitch Trubisky. Is that what it's... You know, I know, but, yeah. But like, PFF gave him a great grade this week. I don't... I will never... PFF, I don't know if I believe in their special sauce or not. When they tell me that Mitch Trubisky played well, it makes me wonder about it. But I don't know. Well... I can't wait to see how they grade Mason Rudolph. Uh, actually, yes, I can wait. I could wait. The, I could wait the rest of my. I could wait the rest of my life. Play one of the other reindeer. Play dancer, blitzer, <laughs> you know, blitzen, or who, who are the other ones? I don't know. Prancer, comet, Comet's comet, good. yeah, Cupid, underrated, Donner. 
I mean, Donner, that guy's a stud. Don't sleep on Donner. We've been saying don't it. Sleep, saying it all year. Don't sleep on Donner. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I would much rather... Shoot, put put freaking Santa Claus out there over Mason Rudolph, all right? <laughs> I'll take I'll take anything. Okay. Let's. Oh, my God. Let's, let's talk about another beautiful quarterback game here. Cardinals at Broncos. We oh, could skip geez. this game. Nobody would notice. Yeah, nobody needs nobody anything from this game. The first team, I wrote the first team to 13 wins. And that's all, yep. all, really all I got. You want to play Delchich? Play Delchich. Colt McCoy's playing. You have four offensive linemen are down. You probably have to play Nuke. I get it. I, I Connor gets all the touches in Arizona. It's it's going to be like 19. It's going to be classic James Connor. 19 carries for 51 yards. You just hope he gets a touchdown. The, the Broncos did not go under last week for the second time this season. This total is 36 and a half. Th- this game is going to be. I'll give you the final score. It's 12 to 10. It's not going to come close <laughs> to going over that total. <laughs> Andy, rebuttal? <laughs> uh, no, I have really nothing to add uh, to this. I imagine that if you built your roster around anybody tied to this game, you're in the consolation bracket anyway, so you, you might not be listening to fantasy football podcasts at this late stage in the season. Um, this is a, this is a gross one. Like, uh, you know, shout out to Jerry Judy coming off a great week. He he put up 25% of his full season fantasy points in week 14. Uh, vaulted into the positions top thirty on the, yes, on the he'll, strength of he'll that, have that game. Faux, he'll have that fake ranking at the end of the year. Well, Jerry Judy was wide receiver yep. twenty seven. No, he really wasn't. Yep, that's yeah, that's exactly cares. where I was going to go. He's got a path now. All of a sudden, to finish as like a wide receiver two or a high end wide receiver three, and it's all it's all going to be on one game. Yeah, who cares? Um, I do think the Arizona offense, like from a passing game perspective, really doesn't lose that much that much pop with with Colt McCoy taking over for Kyler Murray, which is. I mean that says a lot right there, but I don't even, I I don't even know. If that's I, right. I agree with that too. But the Broncos' defense is really good. I don't know. It's I know good, yeah. you know it, it didn't look great last week because the Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs. How amazing is it that Patrick Mahomes has never lost a road game in that division? By the way, what a great stat that is. But uh, this incredible. this game is going to be over quick. This is game. It, it may never show up on the Red Zone channel because nobody ever gets <laughs> in the Red Zone. Yeah, I mean that's very possible. All right, next game up here: Giants at Commanders Sunday Night Football. Who this game actually carries a lot of playoff, um, a playoff implication, guys. Um, and and Saquon Barkley, like I think the biggest fantasy question here coming into this one because, man, I, Scott, I saw you tweeting about this earlier that you know you don't care about the names uh, for these guys, and and I get it. Like we're trying to we're trying to win games here. Um, you know, you even said on the outline you'd start Brian Robinson, no hesitation over Saquon Barkley, and I mean just from like a from a projection standpoint, it's hard to argue with you. I've got a lot of pushback on this. And, and the three players I've mentioned are Barkley, Brian Robinson, and, and Bam Knight. And my point is, look, you can play whoever you want, but don't play Barkley because he was your first-round pick or your second-round pick. That doesn't matter. Just play the guy you think is going to score the most points. And if you think it's Brian Robinson, who you know didn't have a, a great profile coming out of college, if you think it was Son of a Knight, who none of us knew much about like four weeks ago, it doesn't matter. Just play the guy. And a lot of people think, well, what if I sit Barkley and he goes off? I'm going to feel lousy about that. You know what? If you pick the wrong guy, you're going to feel bad no matter what. I don't right. care. I don't I don't choose my decisions by, well, what losing scenario could I live with the easiest? I, yeah. I don't care about that. I just do what I think is right. So if you think benching Barkley for Robinson is right, which I do, go with that. If you want to play Barkley because you think he's going to play better, fine. Just don't play Barkley because you thought he was better four months ago. That's irrelevant now. 
I'll just say that I think the big open question about Barkley is whether they put him in bubble last week because of the neck issue and because he's he's legitimately hurt or if they were just like, this is not a competitive game. We can't run with these guys and um, we're we're just going to save Saquon from himself because he because he only played 20 snaps. Um, but heavy usage in the previous Washington game, which would be yeah. enough to make him fantasy viable. But why, why do they schedule these two games in three weeks? Who, who, who really wants weird. that? It is it is bizarre. Brian Dable did say today on Thursday that Saquon Barkley has no limitations for what that for what that's worth. So, Andy, I actually could kind of buy your theory that like, hey, we're we're not beating the Eagles here. Let's just let's just try to beat Washington next week. Uh, I could totally. I wish more teams would do that. I, I think teams should proactively get their irreplaceable guys out of blowout games, yeah. and teams generally are reluctant to do that. So, I actually think if that's what they did, I think it was really smart. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have no way of knowing, but. Um, I'm with you, Scott, just generally about the optimism for Brian Robinson. The Giants have allowed five yards per carry uh, since week eight. Like that run defense has started to really become a problem. And Robinson, like Antonio Gibson's playing with an injury again, Andy, uh, he's playing with an injury here. Uh, and and Robinson's just looked good. Like, I don't get this whole idea that he's just like a he's a pedestrian player or anything like that. He, he's a pretty boring grinder back, but guy, he's pretty good in that role. So I feel really good about him um, in this matchup overall and just. Uh, Andy, I'm glad you also pointed out about uh, Jahan Dotson, who had the had a big play there to to bring this game home for Washington a couple weeks. Well, not bring it home, <laughs> not bring it home because it was a tie. <laughs> Nobody but... brought it home. If home was a 2020 tie, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He, he brought it to the tip of the driveway, but he did not bring it exactly. Home. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. My bad. <laughs> it it is at this point not surprising to see Jahan Dotson score, right? Like he's done that on low target totals. The the exciting thing a couple weeks ago was that he was actually targeted nine times. Um, Caught five of them, obviously had the touchdown. So, like, if if volume actually starts to come his way late in the season, then he's really interesting. He's like a, a nice sneaky pickup if he's available to you just for depth, just in case he becomes one of those rookie receivers, the slow developing photograph, right? He's missed a lot of time with injury, but he has looked special at times, too. I'd like to have him on my bench. There's no way I'd be playing. I, I would hope your playoff team wouldn't need him this week, but I'd rather, if he does turn into a thing this month, might as well be for your team and not for your opponents. Yeah. I just I love Washington's wide receiver pass catching group anyways. But I hope they have a quarterback fun. someday. It's not it's not Heineke. Exactly. We know it's not Carson it Wentz. Nice. Yeah, it would, it would be nice. It would be nice. All right, last game up here. Rams at Packers. Packers are seven point favorites. Uh Andy, you talk about the Green Bay defense in this one. It's not a very good defense, but I I'm I'm gonna give Baker Mayfield his credit for what he did on Thursday night. You know, ninety eight yard game winning drive, having just shown up. I get it. Awesome stuff. I I don't think he's going to come in there and save the Rams. So I understand why people are adding the Green Bay defense, but they are not a very good defense overall. Yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe Baker Mayfield is at his best when he doesn't know your offense. When like, you know, honestly, you're Baker Mayfield it. when he's just an empty vessel into which Sean McVay can pour himself. Right. <laughs> like Maybe that's maybe that's the Baker we want. His first uh, moment for Cleveland was a game against the Jets on a Thursday mm-hmm. night where he was yeah. thrown in. Right. He probably took out zero reps that week. Right. Yeah. Baker Mayfield. Field. He's better when he doesn't study. Yeah. Um, that yeah, the only point I wanted to make here is that Green Bay is actually like they are the fantasy entity that was added the most in the waiver process. Uh on uh Wednesday, they were added in over two hundred thousand Yahoo leagues. Uh and Monday uh, too. Yeah. So we've we've clearly been scouting them out for a handful of weeks as the as the defense to stream in a matchup that is obviously pretty friendly. This is like the the JV or the the sophomore version of the Rams offense right now. I totally get it. 
I'm, I mean, I'm starting the Packers myself in uh, at least one league. Um, but I'll just, I'll just point out, just to make you feel bad about the, about the ad that you've made, that you're probably not going to pivot <laughs> from anyway. Um, this team over, over the last three, they, they rank dead last in both yards per attempt allowed. They're giving up 8.7 yards per attempt. And in yards per carry allowed, they're giving up 5.7. They haven't stopped a thing. They've been the literal worst defense in the league um, at stopping everything that matters and haven't, like, it hasn't yet, you know, they... It's not like every t- it's not like they've faced, you know, Kansas City and Buffalo and yeah, I think they have Philly in there, right? But they but it's been like the Bears and Tennessee and it's not, <laughs> it hasn't always been great. Um there's bad. And it's wild too because they were, you know, we came into this season thinking, "Oh, they're going to win with defense and uh, uh like their running game and they that defense has been atrocious." It illustrates how trying to figure out like strength of schedule and strength of defenses and everything before the season can be a huge fool's errand. Offense is more continuity than defense. And the Packers are a great example of that. As Andy mentioned, if you do play the Packers defense, you're banking on, I guess it comes down to how many mistakes you think Baker's going to make. Is he going to throw a couple of picks? Is he going to turn the ball over? Because that's where defensive scoring generally comes from. Or do you trust green Bay's offense to play with the lead, which would put the Rams in in the behind the count and everything. I think Cam Akers is actually worthy of a proactive play because I think he's got 15 to 18 touches in his back pocket right now. As Andy mentioned, the Packers defense has been terrible, especially against the run. And even though Baker was great down the stretch in that win last week against the Raiders, that improbable win, I feel so bad for anybody who ripped up a Raiders ticket in that game because it sure looked like it was in. (laughs) But you would think the Rams would come out and say, okay, let's not expose Baker. Let's not throw it 40 times. Let's see if we can get some Cam Akers going. And he's got control of the backfield. Another case of a guy who, like six weeks ago, was basically left for fantasy dead. But uh, he's got 15 to 18 touches, I think, in his back pocket, probably maybe a 35% chance at a touchdown. And running back is not that pretty this week. I have some playoff teams that will be considering Cam Akers. Last note for me, just on the Green Bay offense, you know, A.J. Dillon had a big game before the bye, not chasing that against a Rams team that, hey, they have not been very good at much of anything this year, but they've been a great run defense all year and just 3.8 yards per carry allowed since week 10. Um, weirdly, that's just, that's the one thing they've done well all year. I don't think I'm chasing A.J. Dillon. Even a- a- Aaron Jones, like, is you're going to have to get it done as a receiver. And just, like, also remember, Romeo Dobbs is, probably back in this game and like I think that's not completely insignificant obviously I think Christian Watson is a guy you can consider starting um but you know Dobbs being back like I'm I'm interested to see how those two guys meld together but all right we've said it all hell of a show both of you gentlemen great stuff uh good luck in week 15 to all the people out there for some great tweets Make sure you're following at Scott underscore Pianowski and at Andy Barron. Shout out to the no underscore. That must be nice. You can also follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB, but uh, no promises that you are going to get any good tweets out of that one. While you're there, of course, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy as well. Scott, we'll be back with me on the Monday morning to recap all of these essential games here in week 15. Good luck to all of you out there. Hopefully you crush your playoff matchup. Until then, we're out.